Thanks for listening to Libertarian Los Angeles. I'm Sean Osborne. The next few programs are going to be a three-part series of things I recorded at the Libertarian Convention. We have three different speakers. We have Marshall Byrd. He's the highest elected Libertarian official in the country from um, Wyoming. He's a state assembly member. We're also going to have Hotep Jesus and Thaddeus Russell speaking from across the street at the Mises Caucus event. So please check those out or stay tuned and check these out. And uh, I'll also have a podcast or two with some people that I hung out with there. And we're going to talk shit about how the whole caucus went and how the whole um, convention went as well. So enjoy. Hi, thanks for listening to the Liberty Blues Network. Make sure and check out all three podcasts on our network. We have the Liberty Blues, a progressive and a libertarian walking to a bar, and Libertarian Los Angeles. Let us know what you think of the podcast and rate, review, follow, or whatever you can, wherever you listen. Thanks. Now back to the show.
but it was the little, the little marks in life and the little pieces of legislation that moved that needle in favor of the government and away from the people. In 2019, I was contacted, contacted by Apollo. He reached out to me on Facebook through Messenger. And at that point in time, uh, we were just coming into um, you know, a little bit of local climate, not a lot, it's kind of things are starting to ramp up. And when he reached out to me, I, I thought that he was a friend of mine that built a, a fake account and was just kind of funny with me. <laughs> so I had Jordan, just kind of let it go. Um, I didn't want to get, I didn't want to get roped into a false narrative, so I just, I just ignored it. And about a couple weeks later, Paul, he reached out again and asked me if I was interested in running, running for a state, a state house seat. And this is where I thought he was kind of crazy. So I, again, I ignored it, thinking, hey, eventually if I just keep ignoring this guy, he's gonna, he's gonna go away. <laughs> well, unfortunately, libertarians are very persistent. So it took him a couple weeks to get a hold of me and convinced me to have a sit down. And I said, you know, I, I don't make these big decisions over messages. I like to see people one-on-one. -on -one. If you ever make it through Green River, stop by. We'll say hi. We'll have some coffee, maybe a beer, and we'll talk about it. I barely pushed the send key. He came back and said, great, how's Tuesday? Well, it was, it was that quick. So I, I put myself out there. He called my bluff, and uh, Tuesday showed up. And after about two hours of talking, he would, you know, he asked me where, where my political views lie. He wanted to know if I was actually a true libertarian or was I just kind of a little Where did I truly sit within my political philosophies? We talked about what it would take to become a candidate, what it would take to run a campaign, and really where, where my views lie in order to make sure that if I ran on the libertarian ticket, that I was truly going to carry that banner. Now, during this two-hour discussion, the back of my mind, in two weeks from that moment, I was planning a wedding. I was getting married just two weeks from that, from that, uh, that particular meeting. So in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm not gonna convince my wife to go along with this. Or, do I even have to convince her? So, after, like I said, after that two-hour conversation, Apollo convinced me to, to attend the first Libertarian Frontier Summit. And said, you know, no, uh, no commitments. Nothing, you know, nothing's going to be uh, expected. Just come and listen and see what we have lined up. So I took this this meeting uh, notes back to my wife. Said, hey, this is this is what was offered. Let's get through the wedding. Let's go to the summit and see where 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 the, where the chips lie. Since then. Um, I've kind of talked to Apollo said, hey, you may want to approach people a little differently so we don't think you're trying to, uh, you know, rope them into something without knowing what's going on. We want to make sure that, I, like that I thought it was a joke, the way they came across. Uh, he just had a mission. He had a mission to get a candidate elected, a candidate, you know, nominated and elected and moved on, and that was his focus. Uh, messaging a little bit is a little different. I think he, uh, he took a little bit on that. So after the second day of the summit, we listened to a lot of a lot of speakers, a lot of different state convention, uh, a lot of state party leaders all kind of came in. 
And it was the second day my wife looked at me and she said, what are you going to tell him that you're going to And at that moment, I knew that my wife was on board with the decision to move forward. And she, she gave me permission to make my move forward. I knew that as soon as I had her behind me, the challenges were going to get more and more complicated, more and more intense, but she was there for me. And when I had that, it was able to, I was able to come in and tell Apollo, hey, I'm in, let's make the move forward. So I was in, I was done, right? That was it, I was in, we're ready to go. Well, even though I was in, I was not fully prepared for what I was gonna get myself into. Running for office is not easy. It's a thankless, constant amount of work. It's draining and it's challenging. Running for office as a libertarian as a whole is in a whole new world all by itself. Any person who tells you otherwise is not in it to win it. You need to be fully aware of what you're planning to do. And your family needs to be fully aware of what you're planning to do. Because it involves the family just as much as it involves the kingdom. You can't win an election sitting behind a keyboard. You're not going to win an election with gaining more tweets than the next person. It takes time knocking doors, listening to constituents, understanding what the issues are that the constituents are worried about, not what I'm worried about. Because it isn't just me when I get in front of the legislative body and make a decision or vote on the legislation. I go back to represent the people of my district. It is, it's their choice. It's their concerns that I carry when I'm in office. So no, I don't get to, I don't get to choose <coughs> on what I'm running on. My constituents chose for me. I had to let them know that I, I heard what, their, what the concerns were for my district, and I had to let them know how I was going to basically address their concerns but in the most libertarian way. You need an outdoor, you need to present yourself professionally. Because these, serious, these, these issues are serious. We may not always look at the, the, small, the small issues as serious as the big issues, but your constituents with something small to you may be very real and very large to them. And that's how we have to remember when we go forward when we take those like those, those ideas and those concerns, how we how we address those as a whole and not just sign someone off as you know as a, as a small issue. Every issue matters. And as candidates, we have to address all those, and as legislators, when we get to that point, we have to be able to move that from a concern into the ability to, to address that and fix that. With the Libertarian Frontiers Project, we connected to our voters. We knocked every door in my district six times. Yeah. <laughs> we conducted five phone banks on every number that was registered within my district. We left messages for those that didn't answer the phone. We sent out free peer-to-peer -peer text messages with messages for and against particular uh, topics. We send out tens of thousands of digital banner ads across social media platforms. 
we sent out six mailers across the entire district with messages for how we were going to address those concerns that we already knew existed. We attended every event that we could. We, or I, but I talked about these campaigns. I even participated in one televised debate. And the most challenging part of it all is we did this while the newly mentioned pandemic was coming forward. This is not work for the light of heart, and I encourage each of you who may be considering a run to take all this into consideration and into account. A love for liberty is great, and a love for the Libertarian Party is great. But running for office needs to be more than just that. It needs to carry passion. You need to have careful planning, and it's going to take challenging work. It all needs to be focused in your district. Too many candidates in the Libertarian Party are focusing on becoming internal party names. Concerns about who gets how many more likes or who can carry more, more votes, more votes in the Libertarian movement. It, it, it detracts from you as a candidate for your constituents. I do have some unfortunate news for you. It's not all, it's not all glory, right? The Libertarian Party turns 50 years old. Right? We can, we can carry that banner high. Where's the unfortunate side? Well, Gary Johnson, the governor, almost two decades ago. Ron Paul movement started in the 1980s. Ladies and gentlemen, this is no silver bullet. The time and resources for internal squabbles, it's harder for candidates like myself, representatives like myself, to get elected and to get reelected. As candidates and elected officials, we need all of your support. We need all of the bases. We need your volunteer hours. We need your support, we need your donations, and we need your help along with your votes. Every moment that is spent fighting factions inside this movement, it's time is not spent giving or helping candidates or winning elections. Making liberty win and combating the duopoly. Every time you get into a fight with another person in the liberty movement, we're doing our opponents' work for them at our cost. Your candidates and state affiliates need your resources, they need your support in order to get their campaigns to grow the party. The support you send, either your volunteer support or your donations, directly impacts party success. So, and I apologize to Joe Bishop Hedgeman, but contributions to the national chairs and the secondary races only amplifies internal fighting. Donating to caucuses instead of candidates gives more power to the voices and a divisive internal party politics. And it takes away my ability and Councillor Morrow's ability, as well as all of our elected, uh, elected officials' abilities, to get reelected and make liberty win where it counts. The winning does matter. As a state legislator, I'm incredibly, incredibly proud of the work that I've been able to do so far. This year I sponsored common sense legislation to repeal outdated laws that cost my state and its citizens millions of dollars. 
126 was an art mandate reveal that I sponsored. And it removed the language from our current statute that requires the state of Wyoming to buy art upon all new state construction. It sounds silly, but it's there, all right? Which is why we went after this. Looking at our states, we are at a $1.5 billion deficit. I thought this would be a great piece of legislation to remove the requirement to buy art upon all state construction. I didn't try to remove art from lawns. I didn't try to remove art from walls. I didn't even try to stop the state from buying art. I just wanted to remove the requirement the state had to buy art. Unfortunately, the majority of the part of the majority of the house didn't see the same, and my abilities never even got heard. HB 160 is a bill I sponsored that would make elections fair and far more secure by randomizing the election ballots, by by changing the order on how candidates are are put on the ballot. This bill was the first tripartisan bill to leave our committee and actually get heard on the House floor. Current position, 15 minutes, 43 seconds. The bill was co-sponsored by the Chairman of the Corporations and Elections Committee, by Fred and Representative Wanitzer, and it made the third reading to the House of Representatives before the Republican Party rallied together and decided to save party politics and not protect the people of Wyoming. Who would have thought, right? So we have some work behind the scenes in order to continue to fight that election, that election ballot fight. And we're gonna let the Republican Party know what happens when you have to put behind that. We're not going to. <laughs> We worked with partnership in the Second Amendment advocates to draft legislation that was signed into law. Yeah, the governor signed into legislation. A law that would that would that would free up our our current constitutional carry law by removing the residency requirement that Wyoming had in order for out-of-state US citizens legally able to carry a gun to walk into Wyoming without having a silk hair permit. When one of the, 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 the third revenue source for the state of Wyoming is tourism, if you are a legally able citizen to carry a gun, but you do not have a concealed carry permit that, that Wyoming recognized, and you walk into the state, you, you become a felon. How can we ask you to come and give your money to the state and then turn around and make you a felon on a constitutional carry law. So our, our residency requirement was dropped from that law. Any US citizen can now walk into the state, carry concealed, and not have to worry about going to jail. I also worked with my friend Representative Wharf and Democrat Representative Harvey Provenza to reduce the amount of time convicted felons and misdemeanor charges uh, could apply before record expungement. Current law is 10 years, we try to drop that to one to three years. The bill was a meaningful criminal justice reform that ended the practice of breaking those who have paid their debt to society. 
It made it through the House, uh, through the made it through committee, made it through the House, and then the Senate didn't even want to hear it. It died in the state Senate, unfortunately. We will readdress that one and we'll continue that fight down the road for those that have paid their debt to society. The most prominent effort that I was part of, heavily influenced by our libertarian friends in Utah, HB 209, medical recognition, or marijuana recognition. It was a bill that made it out of committee to a six to three vote. With the help of Christine Sinquist and Apollo, we were able to rally big libertarian names in the Libertarian Party to set up and help usher this legislation through committee and eventually into draft ballot initiative. Libertarian champions like Judge Jim Gray, Harvard, <laughs> Harvard economist Jeffrey Myron, and even Governor Lincoln Chafee lent their credibility to testimony in committees. They helped convince two city prosecutors to vote in favor of legalization. Cannabis legislation has been heard every year in the Wyoming legislative body for 30 years. And with the help of the Libertarian Party taking the lead on this important piece of legislation for the first time in 30 years, we were able to move marijuana cannabis legislation out of a committee onto the House floor. Again, internal party politics and the Republican and the majority side of the House, they buried this bill and it'll be never heard on the House floor. So, what are we gonna do? Well, we're not gonna, we're not gonna lay down. We're gonna continue to move forward. So the Libertarian Party of Wyoming, in partnership with the National Party, we are thrilled to announce this June, we will be launching a ballot initiative to have Wyoming join the many states that have made cannabis in one form or another legal within their boundaries. We're working with Christine. Like I said, she's out of Utah. She's, she's worked tremendous within the cannabis world within Utah. She's a patient rights advocate, a brain tumor survivor, who raised her kids from her couch throughout her 20s. She was a prisoner in her own bed as uh, to prescription opioids. When she, searched, when she searched for alternatives, she approached her, her narcotics officer who followed her. Our, our ballot in order to help get cannabis 
lot of people ask me as I walk the street, what are the actual odds? Just two weeks ago, our northern, uh, our northern uh, neighbors in the state of Wyoming, the Arapaho Nation, just passed their legislation as a native tribe to remove all illegal verbiage from the tribe's laws. And they made cannabis law legal within the, within the tribe. We are one of six states in the United States that is, is a 100% illegal in the cannabis laws. With those six surrounding states and our friends from the North Arapaho tribe, we do feel that was a valid initiative when we take the voice of the people, do a show the legislative body in the state of Wyoming that the people voice will be heard. And that is all on the backs of the military department. So I do, I thank Christine, I thank everybody else that has led, lent their hand into making that all happen.